Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 26 of season 2 of This Osteopathic Life. Today, I'll be talking about burnout. And when we think about a podcast whose subtitle is For the Health of All Things, burnout may not seem to fit. But it's important to recognize that disease processes, challenges, difficult things, struggles are not separate from the health. They are part of the health. They can be a distortion of the health. And so we will review this here. And I looked back over some past titles of episodes. And often, anytime there was what would be generally accepted as a negative word or thought or feeling or emotion or experience, I would balance it with something. But here, we're going to leave that as the single word title. And we're going to look at the osteopathic approach to burnout. I've had the great honor of speaking and interviewing on other podcasts on this topic. And I've so appreciated being able to explore in conversation and share new perspectives, hear challenges, experience, and offer solutions, suggestions, osteopathically oriented potential. And I thought I'd bring it back here for this episode. And burnout is ubiquitous. There is burnout from even hearing the word. We've entered that phase where we're not even quite sure what it means, if it means what we think it means, and if it should be replaced. But at present, it does exist. And before we simply try to wish it away by changing the definition, let's look at what the definition actually is and how we can begin to grapple with it, understand it, see it, even for a moment, allow it before we attempt to work through it, move away from it, exchange it. I speak often to physicians about burnout and the work that I'm presently doing in coaching but it certainly applies across all industries. And it applies in many ways, specifically right now in the way we're engaging in society. So let's look at a few definitions of what burnout can mean. The cessation of operation, usually of a jet or rocket engine. And how interesting that we get to use that as the comparison. Think of something so big and so powerful with such great potential. Think of the reach 
where can a jet engine take you? How fast can it take you there? But we're looking at burnout there. And the same is true for us, right? How big and how powerful and how fast can we go? How far? And we're subject to burnout. Exhaustion of physical or emotional strength or motivation, usually as a result of prolonged stress or frustration. And this is the one that we often see. This is what we often think of. And the question around this one becomes one of fault or blame. Is it a problem with the individual? Is it a problem with the system? And being able to answer that gives us hope that we can lean into and move toward a workable solution. And thinking of it as a problem with anything can be a challenge. But let's consider, if we're taking an osteopathic vantage point, the potential of a misalignment or an incongruence. And if burnout comes from structure that's no longer oriented in a way that makes the system functional. And that could be on a massive scale. That could be gross malalignment and where we're no longer at all aligned with what it was that brought us to medicine. And we can replace medicine with any career, calling, work that we're doing. It can also be just slight misalignment where we're just a little bit off and if you can think about how that might look in a groove or in a gear even if it's just micro millimeters off of where it should be there's just a little bit of friction there's a little bit of a grind it might not be there every time there's engagement but it's there often enough and it begins to wear away and it begins to erode the surface and if allowed to exist in that malaligned or misaligned pattern long enough it'll erode even deeper and it'll begin to throw off the entire system so maybe we think about that in the body if we're going to be osteopathic about it and at the position level think about a knee and if it's just a little bit off right, we won't notice that wear necessarily right away if that's allowed to persist for years, we'll wear away all the cartilage in that joint. And eventually, there's pain from that bone-on-bone experience. And then because there's wear in that joint and in that cartilage in the joint space, the ankle will shift and the hip will shift and the spinal mechanism will twist and turn to compensate. And so there's wear elsewhere in the system, even though the source was in one particular spot. You might think about it like walking with a small pebble in your shoe and maybe you can adapt and you can compromise, you can move so it doesn't bother you so much and maybe you can even walk for a long time with it there. But eventually, it may wear through and create a wound in the foot that may become subject to infection. You may not have a wound directly at the site, but because you're compensating and trying not to put as much pressure on that part of your foot, other places in your body are leaning one way and the other leg is taking on more force and you get wear 
in the whole system and it becomes less sustainable. You can't walk as far. You're not as powerful in what it is that you're doing. And we can decide, you know, was the problem an injury? Was the problem internal failure of design? Was the problem some imbalance in the external musculature? Was the problem a task load for which that person couldn't keep up? Was the problem too hard of surfaces on which that person was walking? Was the problem not allowing for enough rest for the muscles and joints and bones to recover? And it may be a combination of all of those. And let's call them perhaps contributors instead of problems. Because maybe on their own, there wasn't that much of a challenge. And maybe other people exposed to those same conditions wouldn't have the same outcome. They might be sustainable and not experience any abnormal wear and tear. But if recurrently in a particular system, in certain conditions, people are experiencing this dysfunction in this wear and this breakdown, we could look to the system. And we could look internally and see what can be optimized so that as the system is being changed, if the road indeed needs to be resurfaced and the footwear needs to be changed and the exercises that are being utilized in the time of rest that's being offered all can be shifted to optimize function, you can also look to see, is there something internally that could also be optimized? Is there a way to retrain the muscles around that joint to lessen the wear, even if there might be some unavoidable external circumstance or in the time that we're asking it to change? If there has been an injury to what was originally a very functional design, have we allowed for adequate rehab? Have we made the adjustments necessary? When we know that perhaps We've had a surgery and the joint isn't native and likely will be subject to wear and tear. Perhaps we do adjust the external circumstances in which that joint participates, not necessarily because there's anything wrong with them, but perhaps because it is a mismatch and the way that joint is now designed in the shift from adaptation of the anatomy is such that it can no longer do those activities that it previously could not because it's a problem, not because of the activity, but because they're no longer aligned. It's no longer set up to do that. And it's fine to work toward rehabilitation. It's possible to recover back to full function. And that can be an aim, but it doesn't have to be a failure if it doesn't get back to that state. It can just be a simple state of reality and Shifting to a different environment, a different set of activities can allow for success in participation, in function, in a new way. And so let's pull that back, right, out of the body, out of that example, and to the experience of an individual with burnout. And the burnout may be entirely attributed to the external circumstances, the system may very well need to change. And we've seen that with shifts in work hours, looking at how charting can be so exhausting and overwhelming. 
outpacing the time spent face-to-face with the patient two to one in many cases. Sense of autonomy and giving physicians control appropriately and giving them power and responsibility in the right arena. Looking at insurance policies and surveys, there are many external circumstances that can be optimized to reduce the stress and strain on a physician. And again, if this is not your industry, think about where you are and what those external circumstances are that you see potential for improvement to reduce the likelihood of burnout for all participants. All participants who have no underlying sensitivities, vulnerabilities, predispositions, who have 100% adequate tolerance to stress. And we can talk about what that even means. And absolutely, we should advocate for those and work for those. But in the meantime, as we know, institutional change moves at a slow pace. And so how, while working for that change, waiting for that change, advocating for that change, can we reduce the stress on our own system and increase our likelihood of success? And there may be some struggle involved, but there need not be suffering involved. And so that's where we can begin to look internally, begin to say, is there some imbalance in the way we are engaging with this environment? And where can I take back control? So in the example of the knee, that would be using some rehab and strengthening the muscles and gaining flexibility and learning improved mechanics. And on the individual level, when engaging with a system, looking to reduce the suffering around burnout, is examination of the function and the structure of our thoughts and noticing how we're engaging and how we're internalizing what's happening in the system around us, how we are giving away what control we do have to external circumstances, looking for validation, looking for results that truly are not within our control, not holding the line where we do have space to keep a boundary, recognizing where we do actually have choice and to uphold the barriers we need for ourselves to stay safe and sustainable. And that might look at being clear on departure time and recognizing that sometimes we stay later because we think that we should, because we internalize this external expectation of what good doctors do. They stay late and they work extra and they say yes to all the things. And that's fine sometimes. And that's fine if you're doing it out of choice and recognizing that you're choosing to. But if you're doing it for any other reason, look at why. And if you think that you have to, question what does have to even mean? And why do I? And if your job is threatened because you wouldn't stay longer or work extra, then that becomes a space to really look back and negotiate into those external circumstances. Noticing what you're letting things like the survey and patient satisfaction scores mean. Are they truly predicting your worthiness? If they are tied to your paycheck, right? If there's a minimum you need to meet, look at why. Look at if you're willing to participate with that. And then consider the ways in which you are moving toward a meaningful patient experience. Recognizing that you can't control what the patients say and you can advocate for that right, to the administration within your system. And you can also notice, how do I want to show up? 
How am I showing up in these encounters in ways that brings my best self? And how can I know that that is the epitome and evidence of my worthiness? And I can say at the end of each day that yes, I did show up as I intended to in this space, bringing my clinical excellence, bringing what I could on that day. And I trust that what the patient will say may reflect that. And if it doesn't, it doesn't diminish my worthiness. And if it is tied to repercussions, punitive measures, reduction in pay, I know I will advocate for myself in this system. Noticing what you have decided is success. And if it's tied to elements beyond your control. And that can sometimes mean outcomes in cases, in clinic, in the OR, in the ER. Seeing if success for you is ultimately what happens with the patient and noticing how many of those variables are actually not within your auspices of control. And if that's helpful. And if instead you can again note that I'm going to bring my best self up-to-date information, I'm going to be attentive, I'm going to listen for feedback, I'm going to utilize my team, I'm going to be efficient in charting for whatever that means for you, and see how that can shift how much power you're relinquishing in that situation. Perhaps beginning to see the early signs of burnout that come when we begin to say yes to everything. Physicians are often tasked to help and serve on committees and give more of their time outside of the clinical realm. And there's this deep desire to do so. But sometimes enough yeses can begin to take us off course of what we are truly meant to do. It can take us outside the bounds of what it is we are actually able to sustain. And begin to see Am I facing the direction of my values, of why I am here in medicine? And again, you may switch in any profession here. And if you aren't, begin to see whose values it is that you are following. And if you can bring it back to your own. There are many ways to notice burnout. And many of them come from disengagement feeling no longer inspired to participate with your work, reducing your engagement in relationships, not feeling your feelings as completely, feeling only a small variety of feelings, reduced motivation, feeling detached from what's happening. And certainly this can be found on a continuum and can escalate towards severe depression. And even as we know, especially in this profession, suicidal ideation. And know that, like anything in medicine, seeking help sooner is so much better. But seeking help at any time is just right. And seeking help at the end of that continuum is so important. And I'll post in the show notes the suicide prevention hotline for physicians and for the general public. And beginning to get a clearer sense of those earlier stages. So we can intervene when it's a matter of just shifting course, when it's a matter of peeling back some of those yeses that have taken you away from the directional driving force of your own values, when it allows you to reclaim your power in any situation 
and begin to step more fully into or back into yourself. Burnout doesn't require you to make a shift immediately. And in fact, that's likely not the way you're going to step out of and free yourself from and develop immunity to burnout. It's going to be in a stepwise fashion. It's going to begin with acceptance of where you are. We have a lot upon us right now. And there can be a sense of denial because if we think burnout is a problem, we don't want to see it in ourselves. We don't want to think that we have a problem. But how about if we just see burnout as part of the continuum of health? And there can be the space where there's maybe zero or 1% of burnout present. And there can be the extreme of 100%. And we can see the dire outcomes that would happen there. And think about all those percentages in between. And consider, if you did an intake right now, where you might rank yourself. And maybe it's in that zero to one. but Maybe it's in the five. And if we think about all that's happening right now in the world, I think it'd be unlikely for many of us to exist maybe below the 5% mark, right? There are stressors that are happening and stress doesn't have to be bad, but recurrent stress, right? Stress when there's that even micro misalignment within the system happening for a long enough time can expand its effects. And so just tuning in and noticing where you are and recognizing that there's opportunity to be supported at any and every stage, and support can sometimes just be that acceptance. It's like, this is what's happening. This is why I feel this way. And it's possible to intervene. It's possible to reach out for support. And that can be with colleagues and administration and certainly professional help. And if we're at that far end, nearing the 100% on the continuum, absolutely. Mental health professionals, so important. And removing the stigma in medicine and in all professions is so important. Normalizing this experience for one another, looking to one another and saying, yes, I see you. I hear you. I am you. We are in this together. I support you. I encourage you to seek the help that you need. Looking at how it is that you can move toward what often is referred to as resilience. And there'd be some challenges around that word as well, because it can often be felt that it means we're simply supposed to get tougher to endure the challenges of a toxic system. And no. Like I said, burnout and surviving, thriving, in, through, with, as you eradicate burnout and the toxic elements of the system around you can be a process. And you can develop immunity even if nothing changes. But... If we work in this way and begin together, hold these boundaries and speak to one another and for one another and with one another and develop these skills to create a little bit of space or a little bit of space around those most challenging situations, we can make it so that those toxic elements no longer have their hosts and they will begin to fall away. They will begin to die off. And resilience can look like that, can look like some toughening, but that's not sustainable. And resilience can also be those softer things, but there is strength in softness. 
of accepting how it is right now, noticing all the emotions that you're experiencing, giving them a name, being with them, recognizing them, reaching out to make those connections, acknowledging if you have been able to participate in self-care, another challenging phrase or combination of words. But if it is harder to manage in the day-to-day, taking an inventory, have I been sleeping and eating well? Am I moving? Am I reaching out? Am I doing the things that bring me joy? Are they still able to bring me joy? How can I tap into those in a more effective way? Remember your why. And that's removing those yeses that don't align with it and putting yourself back on the map, following your inner guide of why it is you're in medicine or whatever profession you have chosen. Recognizing what is within your control and reclaiming that. Accepting responsibility, yes, but knowing that that also means you reclaim your power and you can be part of your own solution. You can be an advocate and an agent for change. And it's okay if you don't have that right now. It's okay if self-preservation is where you are because preserving self and presenting your fullest and best and most complete, whole and 100% worthy self is what the world needs and will automatically call for change in these toxic cultures and practices, in the systems around us that seem unbearable. So know that in doing this work, in listening for what is within your control, what is within, and how that combination with the toxic system might be putting you at risk. And that sometimes, if we have had significant trauma, and we are working on the healing process, we may need to remove ourselves from a particular system or practice or way of being or profession or relationship in which we simply don't have the reserve to manage at that time. Maybe ever, perhaps, but we do believe in osteopathic medicine and the inherent self-healing capacity. So perhaps it's just time and space that we need to rejuvenate and recover and rehabilitate and no longer be subject to those external stressors as they are being evolved and modified. But know that you remain 100% worthy. It cannot be depleted. It cannot be increased. Even if you see any of those micro misalignments, even if there has been an intervention to the system surgically, traumatically, or otherwise, you are still worthy. And the system can be challenging. And you can reduce your suffering in the time that you have to continue to engage with that system while you're working for change, either actively, and I won't say passively, but maybe indirectly, because by changing yourself, you are naturally changing the external world around you. And also, you can remove yourself from that situation. That is an option. And that is not a failure. That is bravery and recognition of something that needs to change to allow you to remove the suffering by removing yourself from a situation for a temporary amount of time, permanently. Perhaps it's just a degree 
shift over and perhaps it's complete excision of yourself from a situation and all those are okay and remembering that there doesn't have to be a problem there can be contributors there can be a continuum there can be possibility for meaningful change really and truly in any situation even when it seems so unlikely Because the change can be in your thoughts. The change can be in your feelings. The change can be in your actions in removing yourself if necessary. The change can be then in the results because when your thoughts change, your results change. And there can be change in circumstances. And while we can't go back and change those that have existed, we can look to change that which is around us We can become advocates. We can become allies. We can become accomplices in this process of shifting our culture, our practices, our policies, our community-held beliefs and behaviors. So that is all possible. Change is always possible. And we don't have to suffer in the process. And at the very least, we can suffer less. And we can encourage that for each other, but we must do it for ourselves. And so seeking the support you need to be successful in that process is so important. And I do want to offer to my physician colleagues at this very moment in time that there is support for you. And I have found coaching to be a very effective tool that integrates osteopathic philosophy of noting that our thoughts, our mind, influence our feelings, our spirit, leading to our actions in our body, which creates our health or our results. And coaching is a way for you to tap into your own inherent self-healing capacity with the assistance of someone who will help remove some of those obstructions. And I do have a program starting September 1st, so two days from when this is airing, specifically designed to help develop immunity to burnout through the exploration of big ideas because you are the problem solvers. You have solutions. You are brilliant and brave and bold and fully capable and 100% worthy. You can serve as agents of change. And if you are interested, I will put the link in the show notes and I encourage you to participate. I encourage you to reach out. Not because there's any problem, but because there is possibility. And if we normalize this and we step forward together, we will create that herd immunity that will lead us to a culture where the toxicity can no longer survive. And we will allow the health to shine through and we will stand at that side of the continuum where the health is robust and free of distortions and it is possible when we work together to nurture the health of all things this is Dr. Millie Beakey with This Osteopathic Life thank you for listening